to another episode of the Unsexy Startup with your host, Samai Parikh. This is the platform that takes you through the journey of what it's really like to start a company from founders who are currently in the trenches themselves. On this episode, we have co-founder and CEO of Fabric Technologies, Adam Erlebacher. Adam has an extensive experience in building startups in unsexy industries such as healthcare, now pointing towards insurance. After building out his last startup, Adam burned the ships to start Fabric, a smarter way for new parents to get life insurance. Unfortunately, the current system of agents and brokers can make what should be a straightforward process complex, time-consuming, and expensive. Fabric was built to make life insurance for new parents easy by automating this process and simplifying the steps. Backed by the likes of Bessemer Venture Partners, Box Group, and many more, Fabric continues to scale to help more new parents. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Brex, the first corporate credit card for startups. Brex founders Enrique Dubugras and Pedro Franceschi built a payments business in Brazil, but faced a particular unsexy time getting rejected for a corporate credit card when they came to the U.S. So they launched Brex with instant online signup, no founder liability required, and limits 10 to 20 times higher than standard cards. Sign up for Brex and get card fees waived by entering the code UNSEXY during signup. Adam, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast, man. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I just want to dive into the questions. I know our topic today is focused around building companies around very complex industries such as insure tech, um, health tech. Um, yours is in the insure tech space. I mean, tell us how you started Fabric and what made you go full time into this venture. Yeah, so Fab- Fabric um, really came out of my own experience in trying to get uh, life insurance coverage when my my first son arrived and we got an apartment. I went to go buy life insurance, and it's actually something that I had never thought of before. And when I um, when when I actually kind of started that process off, I was working on a a different idea. I had actually recently wrapped up uh, working on Simple and was back in New York City, and uh, I was just very very surprised at how arcane and really odd the process was of buying life insurance coverage. It was never like anything I had bought before, thought about buying before. And as I as I kind of dug into it, you know, I, I recognized just how critically important the product is for new and expecting families. And for it to be such a an involved process where, you know, it took me three separate meetings with a life insurance salesman and about 10 weeks to get the coverage that I was looking for. And during that whole time, I felt like I was being upsold uh, products that I didn't really want or need. All I needed was very simple coverage. I thought, you know, here's here's a product that really hasn't been touched by, you know, any sort of innovation over the last few decades. Um, and wouldn't it be so much more interesting and better for families if you could buy this product in just a few minutes on your phone? And that was really the the kind of the motivating question that we took in looking at this industry and seeing how we could bring a lot of what we learned at Simple to uh, to the user experience um, in, in buying life insurance coverage. It's, it's pretty interesting you uh, mentioned that. Um, you know, you're, do you feel there's, I mean, so many people are trying to disrupt insurance now. Um, how, how come so many people have overlooked this specific laser-focused process um, for expecting families? I mean, do you think it's something that other founders are trying to tackle? I mean, when I bumped across your profile, you're the first I've ever heard of within InsureTech that's actually doing this and was surprised that nobody else was trying to tackle sure. the same issue. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we really think about who our customer is first and foremost, and that is new and expecting parents. And these are 
people like me who had never really thought about buying insurance before. It's not like a, a bank account or a credit card or any other kind of uh, financial service that you're interacting with or any kind of service that you're interacting with on a, on a regular basis. Um, and because of that, the insurance industry in, in many ways just sort of, um, uh, I won't say takes advantage of the process, but like you, you end up working with a salesperson whose incentives aren't necessarily aligned with, with your own. And, and that's what I think really made it interesting for us to um, um, uh, to kind of un- unravel and, and really think about like how can we make that experience better? How can we more easily uh, and better align people's perspective um, uh, incentives? And when we think about who our customer is, um, there are a, a lot of of new products and experiences that you um, that you need to figure out pretty quickly when you become a parent. So life insurance is really the first one, um, but there are, and, and the reason why we've gone after life insurance first is that it is clearly the, the one that is is the most broken and in, in need of fixing. But beyond that, things like college savings accounts and uh, estate planning, these are all areas where new parents really have um, have never really been exposed to. And you typically have to go to many different providers to check these items off your list. And so we're, we're really, um, while we're starting with life insurance, we really are thinking about our customers in a more holistic way and really trying to solve the problems of, of the new parent more broadly. And, and so you, what you did is you've made this, this 10 week process, which is super hard to understand, even ex- especially for our generation, right? Cause we're so used to tech and, and things coming to our fingertips, um, at lightning speeds, so you, you've made it automated, easy to understand, and someone can get it right yeah, away. It, exactly. And, and so much of that comes out of just really talking to customers, um, really understanding what are the needs of this specific, uh, demographic. And, you know, it, it helps to be someone who's going through that themselves right now. Um, so, you know, we're sort of our own very best test case, but at the same time, it's like a, a sample size of one. And so one of the, the most important things that we did really early on is before we wrote any code at all, we just talked to a lot, a lot of people. And these aren't just, uh, you know, friends and family, but, you know, we, we talked to people in coffee shops. We, um, and we brought people in off, uh, we found on Craigslist to come in and, uh, and talk to us about their own experiences and go through prototypes that we had built. And it really helped us build a complete picture of who our customer is and, um, and what sort of experience they would need um, in, a digital, uh, in a digital format uh, to truly understand what they're buying and understand the value of what they're buying. Uh, and so we actually are, we're finding now that two out of three of our customers actually bought from us on their very first visit, which is something that, you know, never happened before in this industry. It's, it, it, it truly is a, a brand new way for people to experience this kind of a product and, and, and check the item off their list. And it's, it's interesting. So, you know, before going into like the the unsexy challenges, since you know it's the theme of of what we're talking about, I mean, what I I would love to promote fabric, and and I want I, want, I would love the listeners, some of these founders that are listening, you know, are probably going to be expecting soon, or or have already had started a new family. I mean, what is that long term vision that some of these founders can can hook onto with fabric if they're going to use the product? Yeah. So we while we make life insurance easy. We, we really are thinking about all of the, the various items that you need to check off your list. So we actually launched uh, Fabric Wills, which allows you to complete a will and select guardians for your children, which is really the, the most important piece of making sure that you ha- at least have something in place in the form of a will. 
Um, so we make that super simple for you to do in just about five minutes. You can do it on your phone. Um, and, and that, that really was the, the, the next product that we bit off, but we'll be thinking of, you know, all the other products, including college savings accounts and, and other, other financial products, as you think about retirement and disability insurance and all these other things that you, you never really had to consider much when you were single and you didn't have to worry about anybody else. But the moment that you really, you know, you get married and you start having kids, uh, really everything changes and, um, you know, priorities change and, and your needs change. And so, you know, we're, we're going to be there to make sure that you really have a clear picture of, of what, what you need and, and how these products work, especially since, you know, we just haven't been exposed to these kinds of questions and products, you know, before parenthood arrived. And and speaking of, right, I mean, it's it's so funny. We're diving into the unsexy stuff, right? A lot of the heavy lifting. You said you were taking uh, interviews at coffee shops. You know, it's 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 kind of that heavy lift where founders, new coming founders, at least shy away from to be like, oh, like, I'm, I'm, why do I got to do interviews at a coffee shop to kind of get the data points? I mean, how was that experience? Uh, you know, it's it's one of my favorite things to do. I, I just love, uh, you know, getting in front of people and showing them ideas and getting their feedback. And if you think about it, I mean, it, it is it is the best time spent because if you don't truly understand your customers and you're and you're just you're proving out your thesis in code, meaning that like you're actually going out and building the thing, uh, and perhaps going down the route of setting up all of the partnerships and you know uh, and and making sure that you have you you know your your entire business structured and eyes dotted t's crossed before you've actually gotten any kind of customer feedback, that that is a really um, sort of risky way of proving out a thesis. And so we like to, um, at Fabric, really uh, try to test out our, our ideas with real people who are not friends and family and therefore sort of biased to, to want to see you succeed. And we want to test out our ideas in the market as quickly as possible and get some feedback as quickly as possible to let us know whether or not we're on the right track. And so doing that with, you know, Envision or some, you know, little mock-ups, I mean, that, that is just the, the lowest cost way for you to test out the market um, before you, you know, go down the heavy approach of, of actually building a company to actually deliver a product and then later finding out that you may not be on the right path. So it's, it's really time well spent to make sure that you're talking to customers early and often, and you continue to do so even after your products in market. And so diving into um, unsexy industries, um, you've, you've built a business around this before with Simple. You were the COO there for some time, I mean, which is not easy to do at all. I mean, let alone with such complexity, what made you want to build another business in an unsexy industry where there could be a lot more challenges, especially in insure tech? Yeah, you know, every startup is hard, right? Like, Every startup has their own specific challenges, and um, you know, just because you're you're not operating in a regulated industry doesn't mean that it's easy, right? Um, but uh, you know, I would say that the the interesting thing to me about regulated industries is that they're regulated for a reason, right? Like all of these regulations exist to keep customers safe, and they come out of um, you know problems that have arisen in these industries before. Now. Um, the reason why there there are these regulations are to protect consumers and 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 because these industries have a real impact on people's lives is I think the the most interesting thing if you think about healthcare and insurance finance aviation 
um, you know, these are these are areas that have a really meaningful impact on people's lives. And so I think solving problems in, in regulated industries is really attractive um, because you're able to have that kind of, uh, a, you know, positive impact on, on the way people live and the things that they're that they're capable of doing with their lives um, by the products that that are launched in, in these regulated industries. And and so it it is it is this just perspective or are founders facing challenges hitting like healthcare and, and insurance and the financial industry or, or is it more of um, is it more of like a how do I say it is it more of an uphill climb or is it just perspective that kind of determines how well these founders can stomach this challenge of going into a complex industry? Um, you know I. I, w- I would say that you know you have to you have to think about building these kinds of businesses over a long the long term. Um, once you get once you have a product that you're ready to bring to market, you know you need to make sure that that you are doing everything above board. And so that means having the right legal counsel, um, having the right compliance folks around the table, um, making sure that you know you you have your your eyes dotted and t's crossed. And, and yes, that does add. That does add a, a layer of complexity to these businesses, but um, you know, from my perspective, it's it's really well worth it. Um, just from the perspective of the of the founders, though, you just you, you need to know that that's coming. You need to make sure that 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 you know that that friction is is going to be there. Um, and the the most important thing is making sure that the complexities that you have to deal with are not translated necessarily to the consumer experiences that you're building. So to make the complicated simple is really what so much of uh, building new products in these industries is about. How can you pare back these products to the most simple form so that people readily understand them and um, and are able to make uh, buying decisions about them? Um, you know, a lot of these regulated industries for uh, for you know, basically their their entire histories are mediated. They're mediated by people, and those are are most typically commissioned salespeople. Whether you look at brokers and in investments that are you know being replaced now by the likes of um, you know of Betterments and Wealthfronts and you know Stash and Acorns um, to insurance, where you know you're replacing in many cases the the insurance agent meetings and. Um, the reason and the way that you're able to do that is by making sure that the products are instantly recognizable, understandable, simple, si- simple to understand, and and easy to buy, so that you don't need um, that human mediated experience. That's not to say that humans don't need to be involved at some level of of the experience, and there are plenty of um, exceptions to the rule where there are complicated personal situations where you're going to want to have a human involved. Um, but the vast majority of use cases really don't require that. And that's really where, you know, a lot of the innovation is happening today. And do you feel, uh, do you, so, so for the founders that are listening and, and, and working to break into these bigger industries, um, do you, do you recommend that simplicity and automation is key or is there, I mean, cause there's also like, you're dealing with this right now, maybe I'm, I don't want to assume, but there's going to be pushback because there's a potential replacement of a lot of these jobs because you've simplified and automated this process, right? Yeah. Well, you know, obviously you, you know, you're seeing that in, in many industries. Um, but I, you know, I do believe that when you're talking about, um, you know, creating digital products that are direct to consumer, 
they need to speak for themselves. You're not going to have a human salesperson pushing people to buy something for whatever reason. You need to make sure that the value to the customer is really, really clear. And in many cases, the way to create that value is by making them approachable, accessible, easy to understand. And, and really the challenge for startups is to take away the complexity by, uh, by, building, by building very simple products and making sure that the user experiences that you're creating are ones that um, you know, really, really speak to customers' questions and challenges and, um, in, in the experience that they're having with your product. And, you know, speaking of the, speaking of the larger industries such as this, I mean, what founders have more advantage of breaking into these super disruptive industries? Is it the founders that have been a part of it forever or for a long time, or is it the founders that don't know much, but see it from the outside and, and have that different perspective? Yeah, on you it? know, I think both, both paths are, are, are great paths and you, and you see successes uh, in both paths. You know, my, my sense is that if you're, if you're going to bring a solution to an industry or a new new experience, new product to an industry, it really does help to have, a, you, know, you need to have a fresh perspective because you need to bring something that is net new. Um, if you're doing the same old thing, then, you know, you're, you're, there's, there's really no differentiation. Um, so in many cases, it does really help to come from, uh, from an external viewpoint from another industry, an adjacent industry, and bring something new to the industry that you're, that you're looking to improve. Um, if you're an insider, you you may understand you may understand exactly how that industry works, but you you also want to be careful not to be too jaded, such that you're kind of not you know you're, you're not you're not seeing the forest for the trees, um, and so there is a certain level of maybe naivety, um, a healthy level of naivety where you see a big problem, you think that you have a new way to solve it, you want to test that thesis out. Um, in many cases, if you are coming from that industry, you may convince yourself not even, you know, it, it may not even be worth trying because it may seem too daunting for, for the, the person who's looking at the problem fresh, they almost don't know what they don't know. And it, and it, and it can be really helpful to approach a new industry, not knowing kind of where these, uh, where these pitfalls might lie, because you're going to figure it out along the way. Um, but, uh, you, know, you just got to keep kind of moving forward, solving problems to get there. And, and do you, do you agree? I've, so I had one huge angel investor I was sitting with the other day and he was saying he's invested into, he's very interested in healthcare, for example, not so much in sure tech, but obviously it's this it's complexity in general. I mean, he, he was saying the founders that he's invested in, he's seen more success with them who have been outside the industry. And from the ones that are inside the industry, they're too risk adverse because they know every damn rule and, and uh, there's there's a fine line between everything they do, and they don't want to break these rules. I mean, what's your thoughts around? Yeah, that? I mean, I, I do I do think that having that that level of healthy naivety can be really really helpful in going after a problem that you otherwise might be. Um, you, you might think that you you know you've you've seen everything tried. You you know you you come at a problem with a level of being jaded, um, and and those who are taking a fresh eyes to a problem. Um, you know, they, they don't have the, that baggage. Um, and, and they may have experience in adjacent industries where things were done in a, you know, far more efficient way, faster, more convenient way for consumers. Um, and you can apply those learnings to a new industry. Um, whereas the folks who are in the industry may not, you know, they may, they may not be able to see that, or they may, maybe they do see it, but they just see the, 
the challenges that they're facing is too daunting and they're just not willing to take that leap to try and fix those problems. And, and what are some quick takeaways for founders listening? Just two or three, um, and you might have talked about it before earlier, but I mean, for people that are trying to t- tackle insurance or healthcare um, or any extremely complex industry in general, what are some few takeaways for yeah, these seed you know, founders? Making sure that you have a co-founder who you know really well and trust uh, and who complements your skill set, I think is probably the most valuable asset that you can bring to starting a startup. Um, you know, really a, a startup is a, is a group of people who are, who are really seeking product market fit. Like you're, you're a group of people who are out there, you know, trying to solve a problem that hasn't been solved before in the way that you're looking to solve it. And to, to make sure that your team is, you know, is ready to, ready for that challenge in a way that like your, the skill set of the broader team doesn't have a ton of overlap is going to make you a lot more efficient when you're looking to solve these problems. Um, and, and really knowing that person for a long time also is going to give you a sense of how this person is going to perform in stressful or uncertain um, situations. So I think that's, that's really kind of first, first and foremost. Um, second is just make sure that you're out there talking to customers. It's great to have a thesis, but you know, once that thesis sort of meets the market, you're going to learn a lot. Um, and, and so the, the, the sooner and more often that you can be speaking to your potential customers, the, the better you're going to be set for the long term. And once you have a product to market, make sure that you're still bringing customers in and understanding what their problems and, and what their challenges are. Um, you know, and then third, just have a, have a real strategy and make sure that you, know, you, you have a view of the world and where you believe the world is going. And as long as you keep that view in mind and you know, continue to look at your strategy and pressure test it as you get more information along the way, um, you're going, you're, you're going to, to have some sort, of, um, some sort of bedrock that you can lean on and say, all right, well, like I am sticking to this strategy because nothing fundamentally has changed in my industry. Or if something has changed, okay, I'm going to revisit that strategy and revisit my thesis and make sure that you're continuing to kind of pressure test the principles that you are building your company on. Um, you don't want to figure that out too late. You want to continue to like think about whether the world has changed and how does that, how does that impact my initial view my, and, and my strategy for going after that? Um, I mean, speaking of, um, I, I, I'm, I'm so on board with, you know, the right co-founder, especially for something that's going to be a headache to start off with potentially. I mean, and, and you see this startups die really a lot because of like a disagreement between co-founders or team, right. And it's split apart and then things go sideways and then the company vision's not there anymore. And then just a sheer fact of giving up after that. I mean, and, and, and wanting to ask more about the strategy, how, it's very challenging, right? Because as a seed or pre-seed founder, you're given X amount of capital if you're given capital to to run lean um, until you actually have figured it out. Um, you know, how often should someone reiterate their strategy, um, you know, just in general until they kind of hit the nail on the head? Um, you know, you, you always need to be going back to your strategy, but you don't want to be kind of revisiting it to the point where you're not really bringing any new information to uh, to the kind of the question of whether or not you're you're still on the right path right at that point you're really it's just pure worrying and it's it's not the most productive 
you you want to be revisiting on a regular basis, but you don't want to be um, just so nervous that you're not able to make make decisions. Um, you know, again, having having a co-founder who is truly complementary in this, in their skill set to you is going to help you with this as as well, because you may be focused on one aspect of the strategy, but your co-founder will be there to kind of pressure test the other elements that complement it. Um, and just to your point about being efficient and executing, if you have a co-founder who you fully trust, whose skill set is complementary to you, then you can both be running in parallel as, as fast as you can, um, rather than if you have you know multiple business founders or even in multiple technical founders whose skill sets are, are, are so overlapping that you're not necessarily making progress on all of the um, the vectors that you need to make progress and add to meet your next milestone. So having having trust within a team and complementary skills really will help you accelerate and move quickly. And and how do you mentally handle some of the frustrations that come along with building another company in a complex industry? You know, I, I think you've got to enjoy it to some uh, in some level, and you need to kind of expect it. Uh, there there will be setbacks, especially in in regulated industries where um, it's not just about building technology. Um, you're building technology, but in many cases, you're you know you're working with um, you know you're working with other regulated entities, or you're working with regulators directly, and so you're not just on your own timeline. You're you're really knitting together a um, um, an experience for the customer that that relies on all these uh, various stakeholders, and so understanding where the and and, and sort of anticipating where these areas of friction will be is going to help you plan so that you're you're going to be properly capitalized to make the right milestones within the timeline um, that you've created, knowing that there will be setbacks from a timing perspective, or maybe you need to switch partners or whatever it might be. Um, you know, really, really taking that longer view is, is important. And is it, is it safe to say, or it's okay to say, I mean, did people, you know, again, toughness is such a thing people want to talk about, but when rubber meets the road, it's people get burnt out. Is it okay to say that it gets, it's tiring sometimes? Not, I mean, it just in general, like, is it, is it okay to feel that? Yeah, a hundred percent. And you, you know, when you're, when you're working with teams, you're not, you know, people don't expect leadership to, um, to work like robots, right? Like there's, there's a, there's a human element to, to, I think, um, you know, being able to identify with people and work with them. And when you're, when you've got a, uh, a really big challenge, uh, ahead of you having compassion and, and sharing the, the true reality of the challenge, I think will, will really help you and, and the team to, um, you know, to give that challenge, it's, it's sort of proper focus. Um, you know, if you're, if you're creating, um, you know, unreasonable expectations or, you know, milestones that you'll, that you'll never be able to hit, you're, you're almost setting yourself up for, for early failure. So, you know, being, um, you know, being a leader who can set a vision and, um, and, um, and sort of appropriately ambitious milestones, um, and, and talk in a frank way about the challenges and the focus that'll be required to meet those challenges, 
I think is really important. And, um, you know, people have different styles of leadership. Um, but, but I, I do believe that being honest and transparent, um, and, 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 and talking about the challenges in a, in a real way, um, are going to help build trust within an organization and make sure that everyone is really well aligned and understands the, you know, the full extent of the challenges facing, uh, the company and, and what will be required for success. I love how you, I love how you, you know, talked about transparency and, and essentially just acceptance, right? I mean, Hey, this is what's exactly going on. And it, it may not be easy to even tell like the employees that, or maybe some, some of your partners, co-founders or VCs that, but just to assure that I think builds a lot of credibility and, and will actually, you know, help them, I guess, work even harder and be more motivated knowing that like, Hey, like there is like honesty and transparency and, and there is a will to grow this thing still. Um, and, and if you could tell yourself something, you know, what you know from now and give that same advice to yourself from when you built your first company, what would it be yeah, and I, why? When, when you're choosing what to work on, um, you've got to really love it. Like you've got to really truly believe and love the, you know, the problem that you're solving. You need to have real personal satisfaction, I think, unless you're sort of a psychopath, like you've got to really really love the industry and the product that you're seeking to solve. You have to really understand your customer and, and be thrilled by um, the, you know, the chance to really improve lives by uh, the product that you're, you're offering those people. Um, so, you know, if you're from, from, from my perspective, you know, if I'm, if I'm working on a problem and it's purely an intellectual exercise, I don't think that's, that's necessarily, that's not going to be enough for me to weather the the ups and downs of what it takes to build a company, um, you've got to really, really believe in it and uh, and and be excited about it because every day, you know, you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. The really high ups, the really low lows, and um, and you got to really you got to really love the problem that you're seeking to solve. It's interesting you said that. Um you know, you, you got to love the industry or you got to at least like the industry you're working to like planning on disrupting. Um, do you think there are a lot more founder? I mean, you've been a part of this tech startup space for, for a while now, right? Like you're, you're a veteran compared to a lot of people piling in, in the last two years, um, that are trying to do something founderish or be at a C-suite at a startup. Um, do you feel there are a lot more people now that are, um, going into industries they're not even passionate about or don't even like, but just are going for it just for like the airy fairy idea um, of startup. You know, I, I think that that's, it's probably not only um, an issue with, with startups. I think it's an issue with everyone, like thinking about where, where one's career is going to go. Um, and, you know, you, you, you see lots, you see trends where, um, you know, the next hot thing is where everyone sort of piles in, but you know, those, those are pretty fleeting and, and you've got to go in with with eyes open and 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 ask yourself like is this really going to be a problem that I want to continue to solve on the hardest day you know if i've if i've been like banging my head against the wall trying to f- figure this thing out um am i going to am i going to want to keep trying to figure this thing out um if i don't really love what i'm doing every single day um and so it, it's it, i do think it's a really it's a really important question it's sort of an existential question, I think, for a lot of people. You know, what do I want to spend my time on? What do I, what do I want to work on? Like, how can I have a real impact? Um, and 
you know, the the important industries, the industries that really touch people's lives, in many cases, they are the regulated industries. And so I do think it's worth um, you know, the extra the extra trouble to to get, you know, get your hands dirty and, and really dig into some of these thorny problems because the the result and the impact that you can have as an entrepreneur and as um, you know, as a as a team member building a company, it's huge compared to I think some of the other options that, that folks have in starting their careers. Thanks again to our sponsor, Brex, the first corporate credit card for startups. Brex was built for founders managing growing tech businesses and has been adopted by some of the best startups. Brex perfected the corporate credit card by rebuilding the credit card processing and issuing technology from scratch. Brex offers instant online signup with no founder liability or security deposit required. By underwriting your company based on equity raise and cash in the bank, Brex can offer limits 10 to 20 times higher than other credit cards. Brex also comes with simple expense management software, so you never have to save a receipt again. It helps you run your startup the way it's supposed to be run. I've tried Brex myself, and honestly, it's magical. Sign up for Brex at brex.com. Listeners can get card feeds waived by entering the code UNSEXY during sign-up. Brex, the first corporate credit card for startup. For any of our listeners who found this podcast helpful, click the subscribe button and follow us on our social handles that we provided in our description. We are always looking for more challenging topics to dive deep into. If you have any great topics we could talk about on The Unsexy Startup, please send a message to the email that I've provided in the link below. Until next episode, this is Smai Parikh signing off.